Fantastic. Got to love that good stuff. Alrighty, so now we're going to jump into week two. It is week two, eh? Week two of the new series, In the Beginning. And uh, it's, a book, it's a, a series about the book of Genesis, and we're just looking at some of the key things, key stories, key moments uh, from the, the, the very beginning, because Genesis means beginnings. And we're going to look at that because I believe there are some powerful reminders that God has for us today. So as we begin, I'd like to share a little bit of my mihi. And uh, so this will make sense a little bit further on as we go on. So kia ora tato, ko kawari tamonga, ko te tapu te awa, ko te ihukaraiti te waka, and ko nga karaitiana te iwi, ko Mike Griffiths toka ingawa. Now, let me just explain for those of you who uh, don't have a whole lot of te reo, just what I said. I said, welcome everybody, and I said, Calvary is my mountain. It is the high ground that I orient by. The cross is my true north. It's what I look to. It is what is the center of my world. I said the Holy Spirit is my river. That is my life-giving flow. That is what slakes my thirst. That is what fills me. And then I said Jesus Christ is my walker. It is in Him that I have been transferred, as Colossians says, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And the church is my people, my tribe, and my family. And I am Mike, and it is my honor to be here with you today. Now, hopefully, my mihi will make a little bit more sense as we go on through the message today. But as we get into the book of Genesis today, in the beginning, we find that actually there were a number of new beginnings. And we're going to look at one of the other new beginnings this morning. So let me give you a bit of a summary of where we're at. In the beginning, God created everything, the cosmos uh, the earth, he filled it, he put time into place, he created man and woman and he placed them in a garden that he had created and he blessed them and he gave them a purpose. But as we know, they sinned, they fell short of God's glory, God's standard, God's mark. And as a result, they were cursed and then God cursed the devil for deceiving them and they were taken out of the garden and they had to go into a much more difficult challenging place and they had children and their children had children and as we read fallen angels came in and corrupted Adam and Eve's bloodline and the people of the earth became more and more corrupt and selfish and violent and wicked let me read this to you from Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that listen to this Every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil. And the word evil means unclean all of the time. And so the story tells us God was so sad, he was so grieved by this that he determined to start again. And so in this book of beginnings, after hearing about the beginning, we now find that God is going to make a new beginning and we find that he's going to start again with a bloke called Noah. We're going to talk a little bit about Noah today. The first thing we find out about Noah is that Noah is a, a guy who trusted God. Let me read you the, this to you from Hebrews 11. It says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. See, by faith, 
Noah. Noah is a man of faith. And what that simply means is that Noah was a guy who was willing to trust God. That, that's, that's really all it means. He was willing to trust God. And because and that's really all God's looking for, right? God's not looking for someone who's big or, 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 or small or tall or short or brilliantly good looking or not good looking or someone with lots of experience or someone with no experience. God's not looking for any of those things. God's just looking for someone who'll trust Him. Will you trust him today? Hebrews says that Noah became an heir of righteousness. We're going to talk about righteousness a bit more in a moment. But it's interesting because it doesn't say that he earned righteousness because he didn't. He became an heir of righteousness. It wasn't because he was Mr. Perfect, because I'm sure Noah wasn't. But there was something about trusting in God that God responded to and said, Noah, you trust me, we are all good. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved. And it was by grace that Noah and his family were saved. It was a gift given to a man who was willing to trust God. It's interesting, right? Because this is the first place in the Scriptures where the word grace Appears Genesis 6 verse 8, but Noah found grace, or sometimes in some translations it's written as favor, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah trusted God. He did what he felt God was asking, and God's grace was poured out to Noah. You know, the principle is the same. If we will trust God, do our very best to do what God is asking us to do, God pours out His grace towards us. Amen? Now, I'm not saying it's easy trusting God. And I'm not saying that there won't be people out there that think you are nuts for some of the things that that we do as we endeavor to follow Jesus and be like Him in this world. I mean, let's think about Noah for a minute. Now, let's remember, it had never rained on the earth yet. Never rained. No such thing as rain. Springs came up, and so there were streams, and I'm assuming there were some rivers there as well. But as far as we know, uh, Noah had, had never seen rain. Not only that, he'd never seen the sea. As far as we're aware, he was located deep in the Middle East. He'd probably never seen a boat. Water was the stuff you got from streams and rivers. The fact that it could spill over its banks and actually flood anything was a completely foreign concept to Noah. I mean, that had never happened before. So God says, hey, Noah, build an ark. Like an ark, it's kind of like a huge house with a curved bottom. And, uh, and then, and then that will, that'll float when the flood comes. And I can imagine Noah replying, ah, God, several things I didn't understand there. Um, ark, house with a curved bottom, and flood. No idea. But I trust you, so we'll make a start. No doubt people around him would have thought he was a little bit nuts. But that is what trusting God entails, right? And it's the same for all of us. God says to us, hey, take 10% of your income and give it away from yourself. And I'll make the 90% that you have left go further than the 100% ever could have done without my blessing. And we go, "Mm, God, not so sure about your maths. But we trust you. So we'll make a start. And sometimes people around you are going to think that you're nuts for doing that. 
God says, hey, hey, I want you to save sex for marriage. And I'll make your love life better and more enduring than it ever could have been if you just went ahead now. And we're kind of like, oh, God. All my mates, they got a different story. But I trust you. So we're going to honor that. And some people around you are going to think you're nuts. God says, hey, forgive people. And ask forgiveness for things. To be right with people. Even if you aren't actually the one who's at fault. But, but like, get right with people. And we're like, oh, God, I really don't want to do that. I'd much rather go for revenge if that's okay with you. It's so much more satisfying. But, okay, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to forgive. And I'm going to ask for forgiveness. And you know what? When you do that, sometimes people around you are going to think that you're nuts. But like Noah... We have a decision to make, right? Are we going to trust them or are we not? Many years ago when I was a high school biology and physics teacher, Lizzie and I began to feel that God was maybe calling us to to give the whole pastoral ministry thing a go. And so we went to our senior pastor and we said, hey, look, we think God's wanting us to become pastors. Look, is there like a little church somewhere you can put us in where we can't do too much damage? And we literally said that, Uh, you know, just to see if we... Let's see how it goes. And, and there was no church available at that time. And so our senior pastor, Pastor Bob Lawson, said, hey, look, why don't you come in, do another year of training, and we'll see what God does. And so we decided to take that step of faith. And we had small kids at that point, and we decided that Liz will go back to work full time. She was a travel agent. She'd managed and run an open travel agency. She's done all sorts of stuff. She taught it um, at uh, Polytech on this stuff. So that, we just knew that that would be no problem. <clears throat> And so then I would go back to church and do another internship, having already done an internship. And then I'd also be like a house dad and look after the kids. So I resigned from my job as a high school teacher. And Liz began to apply for jobs. And then something bizarre happened. Every single job that Liz applied for, God just closed the door. I mean, jobs she could have done in her sleep. And it was just, it just had that weirdness about it. It wasn't like, oh, hey, oh, you tried for that job, didn't get it. It was like, man, that job was yours. And, and the interviewer said the job is yours. And then some weird thing happened with the company. And then they had to do this or that. And I mean, it was just a weird time. And it became pretty stressful. It was an uncomfortable season. You know, when you've got to trust God and, and you haven't seen the miracle yet, it's an uncomfortable season, right? But we trusted him and we stepped out in faith. And within a month, God opened the door for us to step into the very church we were a part of as the senior pastors when we hadn't even been on staff. It was an extraordinary thing. I never imagined that God would do that. And can I say to you this morning, like Noah, if you want to see what you've never imagined God could do, you have to start by trusting him. Amen? Second thought is this about Noah we learned today, is that Noah was all about right relationships. In 2 Peter 2 verse 5, it says, speaking about God, God did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but he protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness. And seven others, which, of course, with his wife, his three sons, and his three daughters-in-laws. Interesting, right? Noah is described as a preacher of righteousness. He's not a preacher of judgment. He's not a preacher of sin. He's not a preacher of repentance. He's a preacher of righteousness. Now, what is righteousness? This is unbelievably important. 
Righteousness is not about being right. Righteousness is about being right with others. And that's a huge difference. Righteousness is the state of being perfectly right with God and perfectly right with other people in your world. And Noah is a man who obviously not only provided for his family while he built this gigantic weird house with a curved bottom, but it appears that he was a man who was continually trying to encourage others to get right with God and get right with each other in this world that he found himself in. He was all about right relationships because that, of course, is what God's all about, right? I mean, that's the gospel, that God so loved the world. It doesn't say God so loved the Christians. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that through faith in him, This could all be made right. Forgiveness could be afforded. God is all about relationship. And let me ask you this morning, are you right with God? And are you right with people? Is there anyone in your world that you are not right with? And what do you need to do about that? I'm going to tell you a very embarrassing story. I was 13 years old. I'm going to say I was 13 because if I was 16, this is even way more embarrassing. So I think I, must, I, think I was about 13 years old. And, and we, we, we're going home on the school bus and it's a wet, rainy day. And, you know, you've got like 30, 40 kids in the school bus and all the windows are fogged up. And I'm in the back seat because <laughs> I think I'm cool. And, and the back seat's all foggy, right? And so we're looking out the back window. We can kind of see the cars behind us, but we can't see anyone in the cars. <clears throat> So we naturally assume that therefore it goes both ways and they can't see our little cherub-like faces looking out the back. So being the astonishingly mature 13-year-old I was, me and my mates decided to do the fingers to everyone in the cars behind us for like quarter of an hour. So we do this and then we get to our bus stop and get off and we find out two things. Firstly, we find out that actually they can see our faces really clearly through the back window of the bus. And secondly, that the car directly behind us the entire way was my aunt and uncle who were coming to visit us from Rotorua. Mm. So we got off the bus and I shut up. And I did and I did what every self non-respecting idiot 13 year old would do which is I completely denied that it was me no I don't know who that was uncle I would never do that to you out the back window of the bus so then what happened was fast forward a few years and I got saved and now you know the weirdest thing is that with frightening regularity this thing would just start niggling me like Right, you've got to go and apologize to your aunt and uncle. <laughs> There's nothing to apologize for. Remember, I denied it. <laughs> Do you remember that Holy Spirit? Remember? Remember that little detail? Anyway, the day came when on one of my days off, I, I got on my motorbike and I rode all the way down to my aunt and uncle's place. And I knocked on their door and I went down inside and I sat down. And more embarrassed and ashamed that I'd ever been in my life as a 30-year-old, I told them what I'd done, and I asked for their forgiveness. And they didn't even remember that it had happened. (laughs) 
But here's the thing, right? Righteousness always starts with us. And that's what God calls us to be and do. Can I ask you this morning again, is there anyone in your world that if you're honest, you need to get right with? The third and final one this morning, the thing we learn about Noah is this, is that Noah committed to God's new beginning. Like it's raining, but like, wow, this is weird stuff. Like water's falling out of the sky. Cool. I wonder when that's going to stop. He's now got a boat full of animals. You want me to go in there with them? It's going to be stinky. But Noah did. Did you know that in almost every ancient civilization, there is a flood story? Isn't that interesting? The Chinese have the story of the great flood of Gunru. And what's interesting, actually, is that, I mean, as we know, Chinese is an ancient language. And the ancient Chinese word for boat is a very interesting pictogram. It's made up of three smaller pictograms, three characters. The first character means vessel. The second character means people. And the third character means eight. In ancient Chinese language, every time they say boat, they are saying a vessel that carried eight people. That's the ark. Even in the Maori culture, we have an ancient myth, the story of Tupunui Auta, which speaks about humans, their disregard of the laws and teachings of Tane, for which a deluge was poured out to destroy man, and Tupu and a few companions are said to have constructed a raft on which they rode out the flood, which endured for eight months. Isn't that interesting? Did you know that in the Bible, uh, certain numbers have very specific meanings that are repeated throughout the Scriptures. Do you know what the number of eight symbolizes? Number eight symbolizes new beginnings. In the Old Testament, male babies were circumcised on the eighth day. Abraham, this man that God began this new covenant with, had eight sons. The day of Pentecost fell on the first day of the eighth week after the Feast of Pentecost. Jesus appeared to his disciples eight times after his resurrection. And there were eight people on that ark that became a new beginning. And look, God gifted Noah everything that he needed, right? He, he, built, he, gave, he gave him all he needed to build the boat. He gave him the plan. He gave him the materials. He even gave him the passengers. So we have this wonderful concept of grace uh, that we've talked about coming to Noah, this idea that him and his family were saved by grace. But somewhere in the story, Noah had to face the fact that before there could be a new beginning, there had to be an ending. There had to be a dying of all that was in the past season. And while there are a number of things I take issue with in the Noah movie starring Russell Crowe, one of the things I did appreciate was that it really gave you a sense of the trauma of the ending of the old. I don't know if you remember, there was that scene, and Noah is in the ark, and above the roar of the storm and the rain, he can hear the screams of people drowning in the storm. You see, with new beginnings, there will always be loss, and whenever there is loss, there will always be grief. And that's okay. I remember, you know, for, for, we're now at a place where our four kids, three of them have left home. Hallelujah. <laughs> and for probably two years before they left, I uh, would quite often drop subtle hints like, you guys should go flatting. 
and you've been here too long. <laughs> Just, you know, kind of gently trying to set the scene. Because I genuinely believed actually for their best interest. They needed to get out. They needed to stretch their wings. They were no longer listening to me as their dad. They weren't learning anything off me, and we were just having arguments. They needed to get out. But, here's the, but the weirdest thing happened, because three of them all left within like two months, right? Three of them left within two months. And uh, the weirdest thing happened. I'm sitting there on the couch, and they're like, hey, go flatting. It's going to be so cool. And, and, I'll think, and I started crying. It's like... Wow, I, I really didn't expect to feel that grief. Like there was grief there, which I totally did not anticipate. And can I say to you, every time you step into a new beginning, there will be grief that you will probably not anticipate. And it's okay. When you are facing loss, here's the thing. You want to be in the ark. You want to be someplace where God's grace is going to carry you to a place of a new beginning. The flood was death for the rest of the world. It was an ending. The boat they were in was what carried them through death to new life, a new beginning. But in the boat was where the beginning began. The scriptures tell us that you and I have to be in Christ in Christ, Paul says, again and again and again and again. If we are to be saved, if we want a new beginning, like the ark that Noah had to be in if he was going to get to the new beginning. So for us, Jesus Christ is who we have to be found in if we are going to get to the place where God wants us to be. Ephesians 2.13, But now, Paul writes, in Christ... You who once were far away have now been brought near by the blood of Christ. The challenge is that some of us have not yet fully committed to the new beginning that God is wanting to bring us into. I really believe this is a word for some people here today. And I believe God is saying, will you let go of the old this morning and step into the new? that God is calling you into? Will you face your loss and grief? And I believe the Lord would say, would you let, will you let me carry you over the waves of death, death of an old dream, death of an old place, death of an old season, of an old relationship, of an old life? Will you let me carry you into a new beginning? There's just a few specifics I really felt the Lord put on my heart this morning. For some of you here, you haven't been baptized. You haven't been baptized because actually, if you're really honest, despite all that, ah, it's just not the right time, or ah, it's just not a big deal. Actually, you're holding on to your old life, and you're not willing to let that die. 1 Peter 3.20 says, God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built, in it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you. You know, there's a few people here, you need to get baptized. You need to go through those waters. Those waters that stand for the death of the old and into the new, coming up again into new life. It's the only way to get to the place that God wants you to be. And that's where it starts. Secondly, some of you are here and you have immigrated 
but you haven't really settled. There is still an unwillingness to let go of what you left behind because partly there is a grief that threatens you and you're not quite sure how to get through that. I believe God wants to say to you, it's okay. God has brought you to a new beginning, but only if you trust Him and be found in Him. You see, what is past is not lost, but what is ahead may be lost if you don't commit to God's new beginning that He has brought you to. Amen. And then thirdly, for some of you, it's a new dream, a new relationship, a new career, a new season. For some of you, for some of you, it's a new season of actually being confronted by the fact that you're getting old. And it's a wee bit scary. <clears throat> Thanks, honey. <laughs> and some of us are a bit scared about that and we're a little bit afraid to step into it. But there's only one way. And it's on this ark. And we can trust it. And we can trust him. Because he is all about new beginnings. And he will be with you. Like Noah, if we want God's new beginning, we have to commit ourselves to Jesus as the one who will save us. As the one who, as we are found in him, excuse me, he will carry us through death into the new life. And that's why I say, Jesus is my boat, is my ark. He is my walker. We'll get the team up or the guitarist up or someone up. But I just want to challenge you for a moment. If you are in any of those camps that I spoke about, if you're sitting here today and actually there's some stuff that's undone, unfinished, unlet go of in your life. And maybe it's that you've never taken that step to trust in Jesus. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But maybe you have. Maybe you have trusted in Jesus. Maybe you've taken that step. And that's awesome. But maybe you're at a place where actually when you get right down to it, you are not right with people. There's someone in your world, something that's there and it niggles away at you and, and actually it's the Holy Spirit niggling away at you. And maybe today you need to determine, I'm going to make that call. I'm going to make that visit. I'm going to make that right. Well, thirdly, maybe, thirdly, you're in that place where actually, if you're really honest, you're trying to step into the new, but you just haven't let go of the old. It's like you're like Noah there, realizing that he needs to get on the ark, but actually he's just not sure if he wants to take that step. But there's only one way forward. And I want to challenge you today, if that is you, commit to grief. Commit to the ending. Trust God. Get on the ark. And let God carry you to the new thing that He has got planned and prepared for you. Amen. Can we bow our heads for a moment, please, and close our eyes? And so I just want to pray. I feel very specifically to pray for those people that are here who are struggling to let go of the old and are trying to step into the new and it's just not working. I just want to pray for you. I want to ask God to help you 
God, I'd love this morning to know who it is that I'm praying for as I do that. If you know in your heart that's you, if that's where you're at, if that's what you're wrestling with, if that's what you're struggling with, if you're like, yeah, Mike, would you pray for me? All I'm going to ask you to do is right now, lift up your hand, give me a wave, say, yeah, Mike, that's me, yeah. Okay, there's lots of hands here. Wow, wow, okay, lots of people. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for your grace, Lord, that all you ask us to do is to come and trust you, Lord, just to lift our eyes and trust you, God. And God, like Noah had to be in the ark, Jesus, we've got to be in. We've got to be all in. We've got to be in you. And we've got to be willing to let the past die. God, I pray for every person here who's, who's trying, to, trying to get across, God. He's trying to find that new beginning, that new place. But God, just fearful, God, of letting go of the old. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, by your power and by the blood of Jesus, that you will cut off those old things now in every person's life. God, that there will be an ending, God. There will be a letting go. And there will be a turning, God, to face the new thing, the sunrise, the new possibilities. God, I pray right now for a release in every person's life, God, who right now was willing to make that decision. Father God, I pray, God, for every one of those people, God, that you will surprise them with your goodness. And God, they will find a new freedom to step into what you have already prepared for them. Lord, I ask that. In Jesus' name.